Welcome back to our Change Cultivators listeners. We are in season five and I have a very exciting guest joining us in the studio today, Mike Sharman. Mike is the co-founder of Retroviral Digital Communications and Retroviral Active Digital. Um, and he's also the best-selling author of the book, The Best Dick. Uh, he's an expert in all things digital marketing and viral and is also the brainchild behind the My Creepy Teacher and Checkers Tinder Swindler, uh, the, the, the two of which have achieved over 8 million views. Um, and they are the parody uh, towards the My Octopus Teacher, which is on Netflix, and My Tinder Swindler. Mike, welcome to the studio and say hi to our guests. Hi, Roz. Hi, guests. It's an absolute pleasure. I wish we were in a real studio together, but we're on other sides of the world. So what a time to be alive. Thank goodness for lockdown. We were given so many technological opportunities. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Mike, you know, I know all our listeners loved, uh, you know, the uh, My Octopus Teacher. And then more recently, you know, only two weeks ago, uh, the Tinder Swindler. Um, and I'd love you to sort of go in with our listeners on, on you, you know, your thinking behind the two parodies, how they came about, and, uh, you know, what really uh, motivated you to jump on these stories as quickly as you did, um, you know, in terms of, of, of managing what has become a global sensation for both of these pieces of material. Thanks, yeah, 2020 was quite intense, right? And I mean, I think we all went through the most as a collective community on a global scale. And I think for the first time in humanity, we, we all had this like shared empathy about how real life was real hard. And uh, one day I got back from work in 2020, it was um, I guess August, September time. And I just sat down and I said, I need a little bit of escape from all the doom and gloom, the COVID-19 statistics on the news, social media and the barrage of negativity. And for me, the, my octopus teacher was a great escape. It was a great artistic escape. And I just, I thought it was absolutely magical. And uh, my wife and mother-in-law and the three of us watched it together. And my wife was an absolute cynic. She said to me, listen, pal, if you disappear from your family and you go and swim in the ocean for a few hours a day and you just don't want to play with your kids anymore, yeah, I'm going to pack your bags and leave them on the balcony for you. And, uh, you know, that kind of got the brain ticking. And we'd actually done some work with Creepy Crawley over the few years prior, like, We've created a couple of spoofs with them. We were also in talks around creating a Paralympics emotional and motive dramatic uh, video with one of South Africa's uh, swimming Paralympians. And with the Paralympics and the Olympics being postponed, um, that didn't really come to fruition. But then I was on my bicycle. I used to ride my bike pretty much most days on lockdown to uh, get a little bit of outdoor time and really process some thoughts. And I just thought, you know what? Creepy Crawley would be a great opportunity to pitch the idea of uh, my creepy teacher. And uh, I have a really good relationship with the comedian, da uh, Glenn Biederman Pam, who also happens to be our Simon Leviev, which we'll talk about next on my Tinder Swindler, um, with Tinder Swindler uh, spoof. And Glenn is a, is a magical actor. He's a comedian. We've known each other for years. He's directed some of my commercials. So he's, uh, he's pretty triple threat in his offering and his, his opportunities. And uh, we started bouncing a script. We started sending voice notes to each other. We pitched to the, to the clients who hadn't seen the show and didn't have the Netflix, but um, we were convincing enough. And because we had that relationship, uh, they were able to buy into the bravery and they said, just run with it. And I think it was from 
zero to 96 hours and this thing was going properly globally viral we were an ad of the day in mexico we were being spoken about in podcasts in australia people were losing their minds over this guy who was doing the same voice and the same mannerisms as craig foster and i think the important thing there and the important thing around spoof is that the the best type of spoof is not to make someone feel like an idiot or to make them feel small but rather make the situation the the, the funny part and mm-hmm. and i think that was what was so great i mean you've interviewed some um, members of that team before mm-hmm. and they just took it so well and they they shared it themselves and they said you know it's so great and it's fantastic and i think um, in the build-up to the BAFTAs, in the build-up to the Academy Awards, more and more people watched both. They climbed into the into the docky, they climbed into the parody, and those numbers just continued to climb and spiral as they um, as they hit award season after award season. And uh, for us, it was great as an agency because we really got to showcase our creative muscle, the importance of being tactical with video, the importance of getting content out quickly that is relevant, that is well performed, and uh, there was a real correlation with sales. Uh, on on my creepy teacher with the creepy crawly brand yeah and I think you know you and I've discussed this as well when uh you know we're going to be Mike and I are going to be speaking to the my octopus uh, teacher crew at some point later so look out for for that podcast but it really is about storytelling right and it's about, you know, on Change Cultivators, we focus a lot on um, the art of change and how people react to change and deal with change. And one of the things Ellen Windermith uh, said to us in her podcast was entitled is the art of storytelling. So, you know, uh, you might say, OK, well, does that make fun of the movie or, you know, what what was your thinking around it? Because you, you and I have discussed it. It's really people love a story. And, you know, when you're going through changes was through the pandemic, you know, what did you tap into really by taking that and go, okay, let me put a funny spin on it. Um, it's, it's the art of storytelling, but you know, what was your thinking around how that could help people through change? And, um, you know, really, I think the motivation behind why you, you did it in terms of the human spirit and how people, um, you know, adapt in life. Yeah. I mean, as advertisers, you know, we, we aren't, blessed with just being able to tell stories like we have to story sell where we have to emotionally connect using some form of powerful narrative but then also be able to tap into a call to action that'll make people want to buy invest download share or or really get connected with that product or service that you are promoting and i think that in the advertising world when you're able to juxtapose a product and insert it into a piece of topical uh, culture, I think that that gives you an opportunity to really leverage this global conversation that's happening. If we think about when you and I were younger and growing up in South Africa, you know, it was a big deal watching Friends on a Wednesday night. And that was a one-time airing. You had to watch it six or seven months after it debuted or premiered in the States. And our little pocket of water cooler moments uh, occurred based on our television habits. Now with the growth of platforms such as Netflix and other streaming uh, providers, we now as a global community are able to watch content in the southern tip of Africa that people in the, the northern tip of North America are engaging with. And it gives us an opportunity with social media to participate in conversations with people around the globe around a piece of content like Tinder Swindler, where we are all interested and that um, premise 
around being catfished or being swindled is not unique to any part of the world. I mean, it's a global phenomenon where these sorts of things are happening on a daily basis. People are being swindled. They're being taken for a ride. And there's a con certain conversations that end up uh, generating tipping points, becoming trending topics. And uh, us as humans, we want to belong. So when we see a topic that we can all belong or we can all participate in, it makes us feel more connected on a global scale. And I think that's the thing that, that content has become. It's become a lot more universal in real time. Mm, mm. And I think, you know, with my uh, Tinder swindler, that launched in the beginning of this month, so February, um, and your checkers uh, Tinder swindler I went live uh, two, three days ago, right? So somewhere, somewhere. I mean, the point is my Tinder swindler came out and you guys hopped on it immediately. And then uh, obviously developed the content and and went live. T tell me a little bit about the timing and what you know. What are the things that make you think I need to get onto this thing? Because if I look at like um, my creepy teacher and my octopus teacher, your thinking really there was we were in the middle of a global pandemic. It was a beautiful story about the human spirit. Um, you know, about this guy that was on burnout and he, you know, went back to nature to figure out what he, you know, to find himself. And then you guys did my creepy teacher, which was let's give people a moment to laugh and smile, you know, at themselves during what was a very dark time, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic. Like what was your thinking behind the, the checkers Tinder, Tinder swindler in terms of what you were trying to get out, get out of the audience? You know, I think it's everything comes down to like timing, and we we joke about there being viral gods that present you these um, little treats on a platter occasionally. And for me, um, I'd actually been in Cape Town uh, a couple of weeks back, and I'd met the the Shoprite X team, which is almost like the R and D development team based out of Brackenfell, Cape Town. And it's an incredible office space. Like they have a kitchen area that they can turn on and turn off tech. They can test their wow. app. They can test. Um, I don't know if you remember that conceptual Amazon Go store uh, yes. before even possible, but they, they made the video, they showed how you'd be able to walk into a grocery experience, walk out and you'd be charged without mm -hmm. even having a teller or having to swipe anything. And, you know, ShopRite X and, and that checkers group, they've really been pushing the growth of engineers, software developers and, and best of breed uh, from a global perspective in terms of bringing those sorts of people and those skills in-house. And uh, when I was walking around the offices, seeing all these things that they can turn on, turn off, and just experiencing the future of retail and what that looks like, um, not just from an African perspective, but a global best practice perspective. And um, I executed several projects over the last year with, um, with ShopRite, and it was pretty much no difference to so many other clients. Haven't met them in person. We've all engaged on social and through Zooms and through Teams and all that kind of thing. And by being in Cape Town, I had the opportunity to go and meet the team. Uh, we did a few TikTok campaigns together last year. Uh, at the end of uh, the year, I helped them amplify a campaign where they used a famous YouTuber called Dan Mace. And he basically coordinated an orchestra of 6060 scooters. And for those of your listeners around the world, 6060 is a grocery app that aims to deliver your produce to you within the hour mark. That's why it's called 6060, right? And... Um, it's really interesting the space here that we're seeing in terms of all of these different competitors from the traditional retailers and how they've adopted or haven't adopted uh, digital solutions, the likes of Uber Eats and Mr. Delivery and, and that whole like dark kitchen model. So there's really a lot of interesting tech developments happening down in Cape Town. And um, 
from having the conversation with them, I guess it was all um, pretty serendipitous in the sense that we were saying, let's work on something together. Let's bring something to life. And then a few days later, um, with Tinder Swindle laun uh, launching, there was actually um, quite, a, quite a successful internal edit to the app. So they have the ability to turn on internal specific missions. So for example, if it's Valentine's, you can create Valentine's missions or Mother's Day, et cetera, whatever those topical days of the year tend to be. And one of the internal copywriters, she did an incredible job. She said, why don't we create this Tinder Swindler mission of sorts? And they created things like Peter Hurt, and then you could purchase Dettel or Elastoplast or certain bandages. Uh, my enemies are coming. And then there was um, energy drinks and, and relevant products that suited that suite of yeah. storytelling. And I kind of operated there as a, as a quasi-influencer where I said, cool, guys, I really love the screen developments. Let me take those off and post them onto Twitter and to, to LinkedIn. And I mean, I, I don't have a huge following. I've got like 20,000 followers on Twitter and maybe five or 6,000 followers on LinkedIn. But by posting those screens onto those two platforms, they went absolutely crazy. There were a few journalists that were interested in the story. And uh, for me, you know, I have a traditional comms background. So for me, I always think about the story. But when you're developing a story for a brand, journalists have to get excited about it because mm. if journalists tell the story you know they're not paid for guns for hire like our modern mm -hmm. day influence like they have to tell a story that is authentic and credible and um, for me I saw that there was a real interest just around these few changes of screens and, and I think it just proves the point to the listeners out there is like you can be a change agent at something at such a base level such as the copy in your app that can create interest and create a groundswell and because we had the trust in the relationship there, I said, let's take this one step further. Let's bring together the story of Simon Leviev and how he's actually speaking out against his enemies. And clearly his enemy is 60-60 because now they've used his intellectual property and they're using his phrases to make fun of him. So we almost created this out-of-body experience for the brand versus this individual. And fortunately, Glenn, who also happened to be our comedian in My Creepy Teacher, he looked nothing like Craig Foster in Octopus Teacher. He just had the right mannerisms. And I think mm -hmm. that's what makes for a great spoof actor and a great comedian. But when it comes to Tinder Swindler, Glenn actually looks like the Simon Leviev like character. Yeah. Oh, so he went, he went for a haircut. I wrote a first draft of the script, sent it to him and his partner, Oliver Booth, who are from Panther Punch Productions down in Cape Town. We do a lot of work together. They sent some tweaked script back, gave it to the client. Mm -hmm. Client within half an hour found budget and okayed it greenlit it Thursday night it was being shot Friday morning it was live and then Saturday the internet is broken <laughs> and I love it and and you know Mike and I are both from comms brand backgrounds and I think this also links to um obviously everything that that uh, retroviral are doing here and Mike leading it is brands right it's how we interact with brands and I think that's changed so much over the years you know you're talking about brands that are willing to act quickly take chances you know, not operated fear going, we are living in an internet environment, you know, we're living in an internet world. And I, I love going back to 1995, you know, when the internet first came out, you know, 90, 
One at launch 93, the, you know, the, they said the internet's for free in 95, it hit billions and billions. And I'm, for those of you of age, you will remember the conversations. I wonder if this internet thing's ever going to take off. Um, and it's really changed the way brands interact. You know, I was sitting with a, a friend, a dear friend of mine who's 90 yesterday, and he was showing me a brochure of some um, antique cars. And it was actually hand penciled drawings of cars, still like the brochure was handcrafted drawings that were then, you know, photocopied and sent out. And now we're looking at how brands are reacting and interacting with the internet, which is really, really instantaneous, you know, and I think that, you know, you deal with a lot of brands and, and, and I'm sure you're seeing those that are willing to move quickly, um, you know, to be, um, you know, brave, not be scared, realize actually that brands can make mistakes as well. And that's not going to ruin your brand. It's about actually authenticity and getting to know a brand for who they are and for being real. And I suppose that's what, you know, the creepy guys did. That's what checkers did, which was really, um, you know, which is really up their audience engagement because the audience are going, actually, I get to know you on a different level as a brand. You're almost like a, a real person, right? So big changes in, in the way brands are using their budgets and how they're seeing themselves and, and the risks they're willing to take. So what a fantastic uh, discussion with Mike about uh, my octopus teacher, that phenomenal uh, Netflix documentary and my Tinder swindler. Um, if you want to hear more about my discussion with Mike, watch out for part two of our chat on change cultures. And move ahead to your destination, shine.